Welcome to episode 348 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent here as always. This week we've got a great one because Jim Wilson returns to the podcast. I believe this is his fifth time on the podcast. Very cool. There's only a few people here throughout the past seven years of this podcast who have been on that many times. Damon Johnson, of course, of Brother Kane and Black Star Riders and Alice Cooper fame and a couple regional guys. But, you know, very glad to be able to say that Jim Wilson is one of the most uh, frequent guests of this podcast because I'm an massive fan of this guy's music and the music that was just released a little over a month ago from motor sister is absolutely no exception you're going to hear about that here in just a bit i'm going to talk about it for a second and of course jim wilson's going to talk a lot about the new motor sister album as well so yeah before we get into that we've got some uh sad news of course by now most of you have heard if you're a rock music fan, which I'm sure you are if you're listening to this podcast. If you accidentally stumbled upon this and you don't listen to rock music, well, hey, I appreciate you not hitting stop yet, so hang around with us. Maybe you'll become a Jim Wilson fan and that'll be your gateway. That'll be your great gateway drug into some beautiful rock and roll. I'm sure Jim would appreciate that just as much as I would. But what we do need to talk about here is some sad news that Alec John Such, the original bass player for Bon Jovi passed away here a few days ago. And it seems like, I mean, it's not, I mean, this year, it seems like there's been a lot of, a lot of people dying in the past, you know, several months. I remember 20, I think it was 2016 or 17. There was like that few months where we lost a lot of legends and, but I mean, that's just going to keep happening because we're all getting older and all these Musicians that most of us grew up on are obviously getting older as well. Alec was uh, seven years old when he passed away. He, of course, was a founding member of Bon Jovi. And after he passed, whenever bon, whenever John Bon Jovi released a statement, he mentioned that Alec was an integral part of the beginning of the band and of course, Alec was around during basically the heyday of their, you know, radio and MTV and mainstream success. Bon Jovi still, obviously, is one of those bands that, you know, even whenever that era of music dipped, you know, their their status still kind of remained up there. And they've, you know, never dropped below arenas throughout the years. But the heyday of, you know, of course, all that music that we all know from Bon Jovi was whenever Alec was around. He was in the band from the beginning until about 90. I should have looked this up, but I believe it was 94 because it was right before the album these days came out. And I mean, that string of albums from Bon Jovi, you know, it's one of those things that it's hard pressed to find many bands out there that have a string of albums like that, especially you know, the first five, but especially two through five. But, and for me, especially three through, three, excuse me, three through five. But, you know, th those three albums in a row, Slippery and Wet, New Jersey, and then Keep the Faith, for me as someone that was kind of, what's the right 
cliche word coming of age during that time period, you know, that was one of the bands that I really latched on to. Like, just like Def Leppard and Guns N' Roses and Motley Crue and all the stuff that was, that was big around that point. And, you know, you can't, I mean, I know there's a lot of people out there that, you know, shrug off Bon Jovi as the years have gone by, but that's one band that I've never shied away from the fact of how much I love those albums. And when you see live, I never, you know, I never got to see them live with Alec and the band. I didn't see them live until years after that time period. But, you know, this is a band like, you know, a lot of those bands from the eighties, like Guns N' Roses or Motley Crue, whoever that it was more than just one guy that was a rock star. Of course, John Bon Jovi's the guy that, you know, most everybody looks at. But, you know, you had Richie Sambora, Tico Torres, Dave Ryan, and, of course, Alec John Such that, you know, really, it was one of those bands where you had a band full of rock stars. And I always appreciated the fact that Alec John Such was the guy in that band that was never flashy, really, never went out of his way you know, to be the extravagant rock star. He was the guy on stage that always just looked cool. You know, like, you know, not a lot of guys could pull that off, you know, to look cool. A lot of them had to do extra stuff. So that, you know, that's one thing that always jumped out to me about Alec John Such. And I just absolutely love that era of music still do to this day. I can put on New Jersey at any point of any time and listen to that thing straight through. With all that being said, we've lost another another legend of the the hard rock world. So, big love to the members of Bon Jovi and, of course, Alex's family and friends. And, oh, and one more thing. He did uh, rejoin the band here a few years ago when they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And, you know, got up there and gave his speech as well. So, check that out if you never did. Rest in peace to Alex John Such. All right, sponsors of this podcast. Med Farm is a dispensary located in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, 24683 East Highway 51. They've got a very large selection. You can check out that, ins- that entire selection at leafly.com. Their website is medfarmok.com. Their socials, Instagram, medfarmok, and Facebook is medfarm. That's P-H-A-R-M. They're always running specials on there, so be sure to follow them so you don't miss anything. Anytime you go in there, if you mention Thunder Underground, they'll give you 10% off your first order, which is very cool. They've got a drive-thru. You can call, text, or email ahead your order. So all you got to do is pull in the drive-thru and zip on out. But of course, you can go in. You can also hit up the drive-thru, place your order as well. Most importantly, above all else, they are cannabis with a cause. 30% of their proceeds go to build no-kill animal shelters. That's a huge thing. You know, we're talking almost a third of this business's profits at all times. This isn't like a promotion. This has been since they opened a few years ago and continuing forever. So that's the main reason why you need to check out MedFarm. No matter no matter where you're at in the Tulsa surrounding areas, you can get there within, I would say, 20 minutes. I know there's dispensaries at every corner, but help out the animals, people. Hit up MedFarm and tell them you heard about them on Thunder Underground. We've also got Sunset Tattoo, a tattoo shop located in Midtown Tulsa. Their tattoos are done good and proper. They're state licensed. 
most importantly, they are mother-approved. 25-plus years of tattooing experience. I've got a tattoo by Jake at Sunset Tattoo before, and I'm going to be getting another one soon. I'm very happy with it. I know several other people that have as well. He's put tattoos on a lot of touring musicians. He used to have an amazing club in downtown Tulsa called Downtown Lounge that was right near some of the, the big venues in Tulsa. And of course, he had, you know, Downtown Lounge, he had bands come through all the time. And he tattooed a lot of those guys. And you can check out photos on Instagram, Sunset Tattoo Tulsa, and the same thing on Facebook. Check out all those photos to see all the different styles that Jake is great at. Give him a call, shoot him a message to set up a time to get in there to talk about what work you need to have done. And of course, tell him you heard about him right here on Thunder Underground. Finally, we've got DEB Concerts. Concert promoter based right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma that keeps bringing some awesome rock and roll to the Tulsa area over the past many years. Some great acts came through this area that wouldn't have if it wasn't for Doug and DEB Concerts like Saxon. Junkyard. I mean, bands that hadn't been in Tulsa in a long-ass time. And Last in Line, of course, was here a couple years ago. So many great acts. He's jumped up to the arena level as well. A couple years ago, he brought in Snoop Dogg and Nelly. And then just a couple months ago, Snoop Dogg came back, but this time it was with Ice Cube and Warren G for two nights. <clears throat> also brought in the Metal Tour of the Year with Megadeth and Lamb of God and In Flames. And then coming up here on August 20th, Poison returns to Tulsa, which I've said I believe this is Poison's first time in Tulsa in like 30 years. They've been all around Oklahoma City, Rocklahoma and Pryor, but I don't think they've played in Tulsa. Brett Michaels has, but the band Poison has not in quite a long time. That show will also feature Tom Kiefer of Cinderella and L.A. Guns, three great live bands at the BOK Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Hit up the BOKcenter.com for ticket info. Also hit up DEBconcerts.com to be kept up to date for everything they've got coming. Of course, we let you know here as well. Follow them on the socials, DEB Concerts on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Also, Rocklahoma, this Labor Day weekend, the lineup was recently announced. I might talk about that here in a minute. I might not. But the point I'm bringing it up right now is because Doug Burgess and DEB Concerts books the Roadhouse stage at Rocklahoma every year. This year is no different. The lineup came out and it didn't specify stages, but of course you can kind of gather a few of the bands that will be on the Roadhouse stage. Doro, that's the one that knocked me on my ass when I saw it on the lineup. I'm super excited, okay? Doro Pesh is going to be at Rocklahoma and I'm I guess I could have clarified this with Doug. I'll try to before the next episode, but I'm almost, you know, 99.87% sure that she will be on the Roadhouse stage, along with Enough's Enough, Quiet Riot, Quiet Riot featuring Johnny Kelly of Typo Negative. There you go. It also got some regional bands like First Strike, The Normandies, One Night Stand that are also going to be on that stage. So... Big things to look out for. DB concerts. Follow them on all the socials. And of course, we'll keep you up to date on any upcoming shows as well. Alright. So I just mentioned Rocklahoma there a second ago. And you know in the past, every year the, 
the lineup would get announced since this, since Oklahoma is our, I say our, I guess my local festival, you know, as many people that listen to this know, I travel around for, for work. I work festivals, but this is the one that is local to me. I've been to every single one. This year's the 15th one. I went for many, many of those, you know, just as a patron with a bunch of friends hanging out, having a great time. The last few I've worked, this one I will be working as well. But in the past, every time this lineup would come out, Jason and I would, you know, put out a Rocklahoma reaction video on YouTube and SoundCloud and all that. Just a a lineup announcement reaction where we talked about, you know, what we were excited about, what we thought about the lineup, all that great stuff. And, you know, a couple weeks ago leading up to the announcement, I was thinking, you know, I'm going to do that. And then, of course, I didn't get around to doing it. But, you know, it's only been out two or three days, so maybe maybe I'll still do it. Who knows? But the difference between this and many other years would just be me and I. It probably won't be that long because it doesn't matter what one person thinks about a lineup, right? As long as the masses that go to these shows are in support of it. And, you know, from a personal standpoint, this is one of the weakest lineups they've ever had, in my opinion. But that is completely... Just from my personal standpoint, weak for me, I guess. I just find it overall boring for the most part. There, of course, like any lineup, there's several acts in there that I absolutely love. But I'm talking in the grand scheme of this thing. And that doesn't mean anything because when you look at this lineup, you know, at first look, I was like, eh. But then second look, I was like, okay, it makes sense. This is a strong lineup when it comes to, you know, the mainstream rock audience, you know, the people that. You know, just go to these shows because they like, you know, the stuff that's out there. Because, I mean, this thing is headlined by Five Finger Death Punch, no comment, Corn and Shinedown, you know. Those are three strong headliners that, you know, make music that tons of people love, you know. I've always, I didn't like Corn when they first debuted, but within a couple years, you know, I was a fan. And I've always liked Shinedown, not as much these days as I used to, but they still... Put on an excellent live show. But you look at the rest of this lineup, it's Evanescence, Seether, Three Days Grace, Megadeth, Jelly Roll, In This Moment, Skillet, Under Oath, Cypress Hill, Ice Nine Kills, Motionless and White, Black Bell Brides, Nothing More, The Who, Bad Wolves, Bad Omens, Pale, Pale Royale, Dorothy, Suicidal Tendencies, Sleep Token, Lit, Fire from the Gods, Quiet Riot, and we go on from there. And, you know, from a personal standpoint, I wouldn't pay money in the least to go to this lineup. You know, but that, like I said, doesn't mean anything. So that's kind of why I've just been back and forth on if I should do a reaction video, because it would just be me bitching about how it's not catering to this guy in his 40s, which it's not supposed to be, but... You know, the thing is, I love a lot of current music, and you see a lot of lineups out there that have current stuff, and I'm like, Alter Bridge or Tremonti, you know, Body Count, Hate Breed, Lamb of God. I know that I'm shifting this a little heavier than Rocklahoma has always had heavy bands, but they've also, you know, they got rock in the title. They've also always had a good mix. And that's my other thing this year. There's less of a mix. Rocklahoma's always done a great job of having, you know, say a band like, Megadeth, you know, on the same day as a band like 
Three Days Grace, and then Cheap Trick. And then you'll have a band like Rat on the main stage, and then In This Moment, and then headlined by Five Finger Death Punch. So you're kind of mixing styles and eras, which that was one of the things I've always appreciated about Rocklahoma. And they still have a few of those bands on the Roadhouse stage, but for the most part, that diversity is pretty much gone this year outside of a couple bands like Cypress Hill or Suicidal Tendencies. But again, you know, I'm not the one booking these bands. This isn't this lineup isn't made for me, so it doesn't really matter. But I will tell you this much, when I'm there, I will make a damn sure point to see Suicidal Tendencies. I've seen them a couple times, but it's been a long, long, long time. So I'm super excited about the chance to finally see them again. Such a great live band, such a band that is so underrated in the grand scheme of things. You know, back in the, the 80s, they were genre-bending, in my opinion. And they just, you know, they're just a band that they they get they got the recognition they deserve, but not on the grand scheme of things, I don't think so. Cypress Hill is another one that I, I never liked Cypress Hill in the 90s. And, you know, as I got older, I came to appreciate some of their stuff. But I still, the song Rock Superstar, I still think is one of the worst songs I've ever heard in my life. But I just never cared about this band. And then I was at Riot Fest, and I think it was 2015. And they were one of the bands playing. Again, didn't care. wasn't one planning to walk by him and go see him, but I was walking by to go to another stage and I just kind of stopped for a minute and I'll be damned if this band isn't just a great live band. So that's one of those situations where, you know, you see someone live that you don't care about, you know, and they flip you a little bit. And that's what Cypress Hill did to me. So don't sleep on that band if you're one of those people. And then, you know, Megadeth, of course, one of my all-time favorite bands. We can't go wrong with that. And like I said earlier, Doro, Absolutely. That's the number one thing I'm going to try to see. Quiet Riot, you know, everybody's talking about that, how, you know, Rudy Sarzo's there, but there's really not, there's no original members left. There's one guy from the classic lineup. But hey, more power to these guys. In my opinion, they can do what they want. Enough's Enough, another band that, you know, kind of never really got the credit they deserve for some of that music they had early on, so... I'll try to catch them if I can, and, and Dorothy as well. Never seen her in that band live, but that first album was fantastic. The second one shifted a little bit more to the mainstream rock than the early one was, but still, that woman's got a fantastic voice. But there you go. I'm gonna. I'm not even gonna go further than that. I don't know why I'm going this far into it, but Rocklahoma. Maybe I'll release a video. Maybe I won't. You know, not that you even care at this point. So. Let's shift this into a random subject real quick before we get into Jim Wilson. Today is, I'm releasing this here on June 9th, and one of these last two days here was the 30th anniversary of Angel Dust by Faith No More. Faith No More is one of my top three favorite bands ever. Of course, Mike Patton is my favorite singer of all time. This album is the album that when you ask... I'd say more often than not, when you ask a person what their favorite Faith No More album is, more often than not, this is the answer. It's not my answer, but that's not the point. It's an amazing album. This, And that's, you know, 
Faith No More. I don't know if I'm biased because of how much I love them, but the albums with, you know, even before Patton got there, you know, that's a, a great, a great album. We care a lot and excuse me, introduce yourself and we care a lot, you know, two separate things, but, um, the five albums that they did with Patton before their initial breakup, just every single one of them was on par with the one before it. And they did such an amazing job at changing the sound of each one into its own entity. And I absolutely love every one of them as much as the one before it and angel dust, man, it's just an epic, huge album that was before it's time, you know, 30 years ago, if a band came out and released this exact album today, it would be heralded as a masterpiece, I believe, just as it was 30 years ago. And a band that is so influential on everything that came after them in the 90s that a lot of times they don't get the credit when people are talking about those influences. And, I mean, the bands will give it, but, you know, in the mainstream. But I just wanted to mention that because it's just such a fantastic album. Most of you should know that. If you, for some reason you don't, go back and check it out. Check out the real thing, then that. Then King, just listen to them in order, those Patton albums. You know, you can't go wrong. You know, that was the, the final album that Jim Martin was a part of. And it's just such a great album. Such heavy stuff, such beautiful stuff all across the board. You know, a small victory. Um, Midlife Crisis, Jizzlobber, Caffeine, Crack Hitler, Kindergarten. Their cover of Easy is actually, I believe, on it now. I don't. It wasn't on the original. It was that was a, an album, a song that came out on the EP right after that. And I believe, if I'm remembering right, and then I believe it's on Angel Dust now, if you bought it. But anyway, such a fantastic album from an amazing band. Speaking of fantastic albums from amazing bands, Get Off is the second album from the band Motor Sister. So, let me try to do this quickly. I've done it every time I talk about Motor Sister or Jim Wilson. If you're not familiar with the backstory, Jim Wilson is the vocalist and guitarist for the band Mother Superior that was around in the 90s and into the early to mid-2000s. and they had several albums. Scott Ian from Anthrax was a major fan of these albums as well, come to find out. And he put together a, just a show where he was, I mean, I think, I believe it was a, I haven't thought about this in a while, but if I remember right, it was a private kind of party event thing where he put together a band and, with Jim in it and just to perform Mother Superior songs. You know, at this point, that's probably been eight, nine, ten years ago. And they enjoyed it so much, they decided to form a group and release an album celebrating those songs. And in 2015, they released the album Ride. And it had a bunch of Mother Superior songs that they basically, quote-unquote, covered. But like Jim talks about here coming up, it was more just kind of a continuation, kind of a revamping, a retelling of music that a lot of people might not have heard. And... The the band featured, of course, Scott and Jim. It features Pearl, Scott's wife, Pearl Aday. Also features John Tempesta on the drums. One of my favorite drummers. Just like Mike Borden of Faith No More that I was just talking about. And just like Charlie Benante of Scott Ian's band. So, 
there you go. There's a random fact about three of my favorite drummers of all time. So, John Tempesta from The Cult. And of course, he used to be in White Zombie and Testament and many other great bands. It also features Joey Vera of Armored Saint and Merciful Fate these days. Man, Armored Saint is another band I absolutely love. John Bush is one of my favorite singers of all time. There you go. There's your five members of Motor Sister. They put together this album, Ride. Fantastic. Amazing. They did some shows here and there. Here we are, what, seven years later now, when they released Get Off, and it's their first album. There is no Mother Superior songs on here. It's all original music. The majority written by Jim. So, of course, it still has that same kind of feel. And, of course, Motor Sister was celebrating that. So, you still get that same vibe. But, as we talk about here, this has a little bit harder edge. Man, this album is just one of those albums that slam from beginning to end. If Jason was here, his quote he used to say a lot was ball squasher. And I think that can be applied here. From the get-go, this album, it just slams. And I can't, you know, stress enough that... Every year, there's great rock and roll out there. There's great hard rock. There's great heavy metal. But every once in a while, an album comes along that just, you're like, I didn't know this was missing from my life, but I'm so glad it's here now. You know, from the get-go, can't get high enough. Right after that, coming from you with Pearl, handling all the vocals on that. Such a slamming song right here, just like that. Such a great groove. And throughout this thing, you know, Pearl and Jim sing together, harmonize together. It's beautiful, just like they did on the first album. But it, it feels to me more prevalent on this album. Sooner or later, we spoke about that here coming up. Such an amazing track. I, I could sit here, I'm listing the songs in order, I think, right? I could just go down and like list this entire album, but, you know, A Million Miles, Pain... This this whole album is just is just so good, and I can't imagine. You know, I mean, anyone that hears this that does something where they put out a list, I can't imagine this wouldn't be on most people's year end best of twenty twenty two list. And I'm saying, I guarantee it'll be on mine, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be really high. I mean, at this point, I mean, the new album from Crowbot just came out this past week, and boy, that thing is a fucking slammer just as well. Check out that new Crowbot album if you haven't. Good God. Just like Motor Sister, this, these two albums need to be in your life. You know what I mean? I can't think of albums that I would put higher. I'm sure I'm forgetting something huge right now, but, you know, Evergrey's recent album was going to be higher up there for me as well. But here we are. We're not even halfway through the year, so that I shouldn't be bringing that up. But check out Get Off. It is so good. Jim Wilson has such a storied history and he's one of those guys that has always kind of flown under the radar and i i hope maybe that this is the album like he's mentioned he mentioned in here you know this is getting more attention than most of his you know his personal music ever has after you know mother superior the three piece of mother superior became the backing became the rollins band the, excuse me the rollins band at one point whenever henry rollins reformed the rollins band he asked mother superior to be the other three members of his band and they released two albums and they're so fucking good as well. Check that out. Um, he's always doing stuff now. It's nonstop. He's got solo music out there with Phil Jones. 
that is so good. He's got music out there. He does music with Daniel Lanois. He works with Pearl a day on her solo music. The guy is nonstop, and that's what you want from a musician of this man's caliber. So with all that being said, I want to be quiet, and I'm going to let Jim do the talking. But I also want to mention, I believe this is the first interview, or first interview on this podcast, where I interviewed someone while they were on a boat, just enjoying life. So I appreciate that as well. You know, I interv- well, we interviewed, me and Jason interviewed the singer from Trapped, Chris Brown Trailer, when he was Taylor, when he was on the beach and drunk. But that doesn't count, because in the grand scheme of things, Chris Brown Taylor drunk on the beach is way down here. You can't see my hands. I'm holding my hand way down near the floor. And Jim Wilson on a boat talking about his music is way up here. And I'm reaching up. I'm holding my hand up as high as I can hold it. So there you go. Jim Wilson on a boat with a couple friends talking to me about Motor Sister and many other great things. Let's check it out. up to uh, Sacramento it was my my friends these brothers that I've known for 20 years uh, their parents wedding anniversary so they had me come up and uh, sing some songs at the party it was super cool just by myself and everybody was dancing and we did some Beatles songs oh wow it's like kind of yeah. just by yourself was it like acoustic or what oh I played electric but yeah just by myself okay but I had them you know it was kind of in a like an outdoor bar kind of thing so it was perfect otherwise it would have been crazy loud but you know just some Beatles songs and stones and stuff how's thunder underground business pretty good i mean i kind of took a break in april and early may because i was out of town working but kind of getting back into it again so oh good it's yeah, yeah everything seems to be happening right now yeah yeah kind of getting back to normal you know uh, quote unquote <laughs> what do they say they say the new normal whatever that is then, yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> Was uh, did you mention you were recording in Sacramento too, or no, no, just uh, just doing the party? I'm I'll be home tonight actually, uh, and then uh, starting some more work with Daniel Lamois going to um, Belgium and Holland at the beginning of July, so just going to be rehearsing with him and uh, had some great Motor Sister shows, and um, now Tempest is back in the cult for a bit, and Joey's out with Merciful Fate, so. We're talking about doing some more shows in October, November, uh, you know, giving everybody time to get back. It's a crazy band because, you know, everybody's just booked up all the time, you know. Yeah. Five different schedules. It's kind of hard to work around that, isn't it? uh, I assume. (laughs) Just yesterday, John Tempesta sent a text saying how much he loves this band and can't wait to play live. So, you know, there's always that we're always kind of missing it when we're not able to do it, you know. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you guys released Get Off about a month ago, and I mean, it's a fantastic album, and I've seen tons of great response to it. What are your thoughts? It's been amazing. I know, yeah. Being able to get it out finally, what are your thoughts on this album as a whole? I mean, I'm so excited that it's been accepted so well, and it keeps getting new listeners all the time. And like you said, like 
we share all these little reviews that we see and we really haven't seen anything bad. And that's rare because people love to be dicks. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. you can just look at any blabbermouth comments or whatever and just see how people just want to rip on everything. But man, it's, I mean, every time I see one, it's like nine out of 10 or this is a kick-ass album, you know? So it's been really great. Yeah. And uh, they, they made me uh, sign up for Metal Blade said I should sign up for Spotify for artists. So I see all the streaming every day. And, you know, every time I sign on, it gets bigger and bigger. And all, all the tracks from the new album have surpassed the streaming of Ride, you know, which was, has been out for six years. So uh, it's and just for me as a songwriter, these are the most popular songs that I've had. You know, most people listening compared to uh, Mother Superior or anything. It's it's a, a big leap. So uh time to rock what do you think attributes to that the fact of the rise in people noticing the band i mean it's the same members you already had like scotty in and there and someone that was notable to the masses so what do you think now a few years later is making I would a little like more noticeable? that it's the songs i would yeah. like to think that you know i spent enough time on the songwriting to and threw out some good stuff trying to just get the best of the best you know so and we all agreed on the song choices. So I just, um, I think maybe the hooks and, and of course, Metal Blade is, is really behind it. And they push this more than the first one. And maybe it is the, uh, the originality rather than, you know, because we've been called uh, a Mother Superior covers band a lot in the press these days. Or we were a Mother Superior covers band, which I never really looked at it as like a covers band. I just thought of it as like, um, you know, continuing or the beginning of a continuation. So maybe the fact that people don't, uh, but people still get confused. You know, there's this one guy that had a video on YouTube and he was like listening to uh, right there, just like that. And he totally gets into it. And he's like, now I got to check out the original mother superior version of this. It's like, well, no, these aren't. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, people are still a little confused, but they'll learn, which is good too. And yeah, yeah, I think everybody was just uh, into it. So our live performance has gotten more intense and we just have a little more uh, faith in in the new material. But it is cool to do the live shows that we did because the set list has doubled. You know what I mean? So we have so many more choices of songs. And uh, I think the whiskey is the biggest, longest show that we've done so far. And uh we just did four from Ride and then all the rest from the new record. So that's good, too. You know, it, it would be one thing if the new record came out and we were still relying on doing the ones that we already released. So right. I just uh, it's an exciting time. You know, we was texting with Scott all morning this morning and he's um, just and the same with Pearl. She she can't wait to do more stuff. And and hopefully we can get on a maybe some uh, opening slot sometime at the end of the year with some band and. Because that would be nice to get out with a, a, a band with an audience and just win them over every night rather than playing smaller clubs, you know, by ourselves. Even though small clubs would be cool, too. Yeah. I, I saw that comment this past week where Scott Ian said it was the best hard rock album since Appetite for Destruction. Like, yes. That's kind that's of a hefty nice. uh, statement, you know, 35 <laughs> yeah, years yeah, later. Yeah. Like, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> well, he's actually been saying that since we kind of uh, finished recording it. He, he <laughs> said that to us a few times. But uh, 
you know, I just think that that means he has faith in the tunes and uh, same thing as a, as a songwriter. I just felt like if, if I wouldn't have, he said early on too, uh, when, when they all started coming together, he said he thought if this was a new Mother Superior album and he was just a fan, would he be into it? And he was like, I would absolutely be into it. So, you know, again, that continuation thing of just trying to keep the spirit of rock and roll alive and, you know, uh, it's hard to kind of find riffs that no one's done or riffs that are plain, you know? So uh, I think I just have, you know, just practice makes it better. You know, I've been writing for years and uh, I just knew that we had to have uh, things that make people rock their heads and, and choruses and, and of course riffs. And, and it's so much fun being in a band with, two guitar players now because we can when mother superior I used to overdub the guitar twice or whatever but i can never do it live of course and now i got scott you know so it's nice to play like some thin lizzy harmony kind of guitar stuff and <clears throat> just a killer band and in the rhythm section i mean give me a break when those two guys get going johnny and joey it's you know just electric and the same with pearl just being able to sing the songs with a built-in harmony singer, you know, and and then uh, at the last minute I, of coming up with the tunes, and then I just felt like Pearl needs to sing a song, so wrote the music and had the title coming for you, and then told her to finish up the lyrics, and people love that one, you know. So next time around, got to get her a couple. Yeah, yeah, and you know, she's always the one that says, "You're the singer." sing the songs you know but even mother superior we had the other guys would do a song here and there you know so i just felt like it's nice to hear another voice other than mine but you know sometimes i think people probably think uh pearl is the lead singer especially since we're called motor sister or whatever so it's nice when they realize it's a kind of a harmony thing yeah well speaking of that i mean sooner or later is an amazing song and like your voices kind of like on the first album when you did fool around the yeah. two voices together, your voices work so well together. Kind of talk about how you think thank that you. works with the two of you singing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, thank you. It's a, the same thing. And when it, when I come up with the songs, I can totally hear Pearl's harmony even before she does it, you know, which is which is a it's the melody that that if it wasn't a strong melody, you can't harmonize to it. So those were the things that I knew would work and sooner or later has been get, that's going to be the next single. And uh, it's uh, already got a lot of traction. People are totally hearing it. And uh, it's one of my favorites, you know, from the, there's a lot of influence in there, obviously thin Lizzie, you know, but you know, even there's a little King's X in there. And I don't know. So it was funny. I saw a review and some guy said that it reminded him of Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> and I had an actual joke when we were rehearsing, you know, six months ago, we were rehearsing the song and I was rocking out the chorus. And I, I said, I kind of get in Bruce Springsteen mode. Sooner or later, so like strumming, you know, and uh, it was totally a joke. And then somebody compared it to Bruce Springsteen, <laughs> but I don't really hear, you know, I feel like that comes from Bruce Springsteen and Phil Lineout were influenced by Van Morrison. So I think that might be a little more of where it comes from, even though I'm from Delaware originally. So of course I was 
heard Bruce Springsteen all the time, you know. <laughs> he was on Philadelphia radio. Just that's what we had in, in Delaware. All the stations were from Philadelphia. And him being from Jersey, it was just he was famous on the East Coast way before, you know, born in the USA when he really hit. We're drinking on the boat, by the way. Cheers. <laughs> all good. <laughs> We've been drinking all weekend. <laughs> oh, nice. Thanks, Ken. We have these. Uh, let me put this up here. Some apple juice uh, moonshine. Oh, nice. <laughs> Rock and roll. Ice cold. <laughs> and what? where are you again? I forget. You're in Oklahoma. Oklahoma, right. right. Yeah. How's the, uh, you've been going to shows? Has thing, things been opening up? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what I do full time now is work uh, like music festivals and live oh. events, sporting events, stuff like that. So I've been doing that pretty consistently since last, last fall. Okay, good. And I know Rocklahoma's there. That's the big one, right? Yeah. Yeah. They just yeah. announced their lineup today, actually. Oh, they did? Yeah. Well, yeah. Hopefully we can get on the festival scene again soon. But, yeah. you know, and our tour, our, our booking agency is the same as Anthrax. So they know Scott's schedule and they know that we want to fill in the, the blanks between that. So we're working on it. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, you guys played Welcome to Rockville. Was that, I know you guys played some festivals in Europe before, but was that your first American festival as Motor Sister? That was our first American festival as Motor Sister, yeah. And uh, it was amazing. I mean, we only got to play like 35 minutes or whatever, but we had a great crowd and everybody got totally into it. And again, you know, we I saw people singing along to the songs and then I saw people like totally checking us out. My sister came to the show and she told me that she was standing next to some guy and he said, that guy on the right looks just like Scott Ian. So, you know, some people still don't know what the story is, you know, right. and uh, it was so hot. I mean, that was a very rare for not only being outside, but um, trying to spit out all those lyrics and then just taking a huge breath afterwards because it was just, you know, just so hot. But that was part of the fun, too. And then me and Scott got to do a bunch of um, press afterwards and Jose Mangan and Matt Pinfield, who's an L.A. DJ, did some great interviews, got to meet Perry Farrell. And he was so nice to me. Like, you know, I didn't expect him to take time and say, nice to meet you, Jim. You know, but he was super nice. And it was a, a strange festival because uh, four days and Kiss was the first night. And they're the only headliners that got to play by the time we got there for su Sunday show. Friday and Saturday's uh, shows got thunder and lightning storms and totally rained out. So Guns N' Roses didn't even play and they got paid to sit in their hotel rooms. See, that's the gig I want. And, you know, and then I get on the plane to come home and Slash is in first class. That's the gig I want. <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, they didn't even get to play. And I and Ministry, uh, they were five songs in and the Thunder and Lightning started and they pulled the plug on the fifth song, like totally cut them off and told everybody to leave. So when we got there, we weren't even sure we were going to play, you know, and uh, fortunately, our day was super sunny and great. Yeah. And that probably helped, too, you know, because everybody's were really what kind of anticipating wanting music. And with you guys getting to play, that probably helped. That's true. Well. Yeah. That's true. Mm -hmm. But they yeah. I still don't know what they think they're going to do, because obviously people paid money to go see Guns N' Roses or whoever that they didn't get to see. So would you be satisfied? It's a tough one, you know. Right. And you think <laughs> that if slash is sitting in the hotel room, like couldn't they just go on the next morning and play it an hour set for, you know, like, yeah. You know. 
I'm sure there were a few people there to see us, but you know, they were there to see the big names too. And uh, again, it was really wild because uh, it was, we were supposed to be the Foo Fighters night. And then of course that didn't happen. So they replaced Foo Fighters with Nine Inch Nails. And then uh, we also had Smashing Pumpkins and Jane's Addiction on our day. And uh, Dave Navarro got COVID and Stephen Perkins, something happened. He couldn't make the show. So it turned into porno for pyros. So it was just a big (laughs) mix up day, you know? Yeah. So at least we delivered what we came for. Right. (laughs) Well, I feel like the, the songs on this album have a slightly harder edge to them. Do you think that's because the, the members of your band contributed to the music this time around, or is that something you noticed? Definitely. Um, you know, I didn't really think about it until maybe a couple people pointed out how heavy the record was, but for sure, Scott adds a, a metal touch to it, you know, like, uh, and I always say, if you really want to check out the record or the guitars, then I'm mostly on the right channel and Scott's mostly on the left. So you can kind of hear the, the difference between the two things, you know. But yeah, if I write a, um, you know, like say in Lion's Den, which uh, Scott helped co-write, you know, if I played my original one versus what he adds to it, it's definitely got a little more metallic thing. So uh, that's super cool and maybe um maybe uh mother superior had a little bit more soulful aspect to it but uh the soul's there you know the feelings there and i don't mind being heavy i like the fact that the record kicks ass and just like uh the other night here at my buddy ken's house and he put on the record the other morning it was nice to hear it in a, a different setting and you know just walking through the house going man this kicks ass because you know i never really listen to it the only times i've listened to the record recently was to learn the songs again to be able to practice you know so um it's nice to hear in different settings and 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 we're on metal blade so that might have a little bit to do with it too like that might be in the mind of like uh for the metal heads that want to tune in if they're if they have a broad mind then they'll accept the rock and roll too because it all stems from the same place but i've always had the even in the mother superior days, it was like, got to have some Sabbath in there. You know, there's gotta be some of the key influences. And uh, we were all kiss fanatics. So that's how the song times up ended here. I wanted to do a little bit of a kiss thing. And then it turned into a whole lot of a kiss thing, you know? (laughs) And uh, I've seen reviews for that one too. People say times up is a great boogie song. It's like ZZ top. Like they totally don't get the kiss jokes that are all over, you know, and the lyrics have a good sense of humor on this record too. I mean, as deep and dark as it is sometimes, if you really listen to the things I, I put in some jokes to yeah. lighten well, it up a little. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Scott co-writing lines Den. like did the, was the music still mostly you or the music was guys- all, yeah. Uh, for instance. Uh, okay. So I had the, the riff, and I had the, the verses and Scott put together the chorus. The dun, dun, so that was kind of him. And I, I brought those two songs the same day, uh, Coming For You and Lion's Den, when we had already had, uh, you know, a good 10 plus songs that we were looking at. And I just, when that happens as a writer for me, and I all of a sudden have a collection of songs I sometimes go, what's missing, you know, and then you come up with a couple more things and that's totally what happened. So I brought those two songs over that day and they were both like instant hits, you know, with Scott and Pearl and 
And then um, there's other little things too. Um, other ones that Scott helped out with. I have to see the list right now, but you know, he was really good at just here's what this needs to finish it up. So yeah, he would he would come up with little extra parts, and he does the uh, the guitar solo on a million miles that crazy kind of affected guitar solo. That's the one solo that he did, which was amazing for me too. And then when we did sooner or later, he was, he played an acoustic guitar part and there's a video somewhere. I don't think he put it out, but someone was filming him playing, uh, playing the acoustic, just strumming. And he's like, this is the most wimpy thing I've ever played. Like as a guitar player, you know, cause he was just, <laughs> it was like the birds. <laughs> so yeah, he was always like, helping to put it all together even um shit i can't remember what the tune is right now but uh, little things with the drums a really uh, he would tell johnny like make the fill longer and stuff so he's really great he's almost like a second producer but jay rustin again you know we all trusted him to uh when you're in a studio just looking at each other and you're trying to get one good take it's nice to have somebody on the outside going that was it you know so we had faith in the music because of Jay Rustin as well. Well, something, one of them, speaking of Scott, that kind of jumped out to me was the riff. I think it was in right here, just like that. It almost uh -huh. kind of made me, it gave me like an anthrax vibe, kind of like cotton That's to mushroom or something. The middle section is all Scott. Okay. That whole, yeah, that whole middle solo section was what Scott contributed to that song. So yes, of course I had the, and it's cool because, it would be a little bit like this song reminds me of you if it didn't have that middle section. So say like this song reminds me of you. Uh, if you think about the right there, just like that riff is versus so they were kind of in the same family, but for this song reminds me of you has a more like Motown middle section that I sing. And then right there, just like that now has that kind of hardcore middle section. So that kind of made it differentiate. And we played both those songs at the festival back to back. And I remember coming up with right there, just like that and thinking, hopefully this isn't too close to this song reminds me of you, but you know, that's what's cool about being in a band, just all that um, trust and camaraderie that helps you, come up with better stuff and scott's always been like that too and i asked him i said why haven't you produced other bands because you're really good at like listening to this stuff and saying when it needs and he said he never felt uh he never felt he could be a producer because he doesn't know anything about engineering and you know the studio part of it and i said yeah but you can just get an engineer for that and then you know <laughs> produced by scotty and engineered by whoever you know so maybe he will you know or it'd be cool even at some point if he just produced the motor sister record you know and really put that thing on it but yeah it's hard to be in a band with uh scott and joey and, and johnny and not making it a little more heavier than before you know because they're just so such a powerhouse right well whenever like say in the studio whenever scott or jay are like you know putting in their thoughts on the music you wrote is it do you think they still have a sense of trying to keep it in the spirit of Mother Superior? Or are you guys trying to look to make Motor Sister kind of its own entity at some point? I mean, I feel like it already is, but yeah, has that ever been I, a thought process? I don't think that we thought about Mother Superior on this one as much as other people. I mean, again, it, I felt like the it for that to happen, I just felt like 
it had to just have the spirit of rock and roll because we never mother superior never said we need to make another mother superior style record we were trying to progress as well so i think of it as a progression more than uh, a tribute or whatever so just if if it was possible that the band was still together where would it take it you know and and maybe that's the uh the addition of these guys that they put their stamp on it and that that makes it different too and again just having uh the faith and trust in pearl singing as well i never you know marcus used to do a lot of in mother spirit he did a lot of background vocals but he he's you know he's not as good as pearl (laughs) (laughs) so you know and you know that's no slag on him either but it was rather than a bass player trying to sing harmonies she's a dedicated you know co-singer she basically sings on 80 percent of the record with me if if it's not lead she's still there you know and we had such a great time and you know we recorded the album the music in in four days at the Foo Fighter studio and then on the fifth day we were supposed to be there that's the covid day that it, everything got shut down so we luckily we finished all the backing tracks but it took a year plus for me and pearl to be able to go back and do the vocals together we had rough vocals on everything me singing and leading the band but jay rustin was sending us rough mixes that were instrumentals and it was so frustrating because you couldn't play them for anybody <laughs> you couldn't say wait till you hear the the words on this you know so it, that was the hardest part, just waiting and waiting. So by the time that me and Pearl got to sing, it was we were just so ready, and we had some time to uh, think about the songs. And but we did it fast too. We did the vocals super quick, and it was just good. And I remember just like telling her that I love her her rasp, you know. So I kept saying, "Give me a scream here," you know, like on Lion's Den. She has an amazing scream, and at the end of "Coming for You," so you know. I think she really stepped up too. We still make music as for her solo stuff and it's way different. You know, it's got more of a country feel or whatever. So we just uh, knew it was time to rock. Well, having to wait that long after you, you know, originally wrote and recorded most of this stuff, like, is it, it's all old to you, but now everybody's hearing it now for the first time in the past month or two. Like, is it's it true. new to you again because you're kind of, it's kind new to of us all over because we haven't been able to play it together so when yeah. we got back together to rehearse it was like shit how's this riff go again <laughs> you know and then once you get it and 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 even the words too like once everything was recorded uh we never had been that far every time that we had rehearsed for going to record some of the lyrics still weren't finished and we you know it didn't matter if we were singing the correct lyrics so uh maybe it gave it a little more time for me to uh tweak some of the words too and make them better and make it make more sense but it was painful waiting i'm not going to say that but yeah now that it's out it feels different you know it feels like uh here it is you know but yeah it was it was painful like like i said you can't have your friends stop by and play them like five instrumental songs and say wait till you hear the words (laughs) so it was just nice to get it done I mean, you kind of mentioned earlier playing like a few songs from Ride with most of the stuff from this album. Like, how how do you feel the songs? How do you feel the songs meld together in a live set from the two? Oh, they, it's really great. It's really great. <laughs> and also, we've we played those old ones a lot, so we're all kind of conditioned on that. But uh, 
no, it was nice. Like at the whiskey, that was really great because uh, it showed us that the new ones are really meant for the live setting as well. And then once we would do, it's crazy because like you mentioned full around and like Scott made a set list for the whiskey and it's like, man, we lost full around. We lost get that girl. You know, there's a couple songs that we just now that we can't do all those. We, I mean, we will, <clears throat> we'll switch things around as it goes, but yeah, it, you know, I'm looking forward to playing a lot of those songs again too, but it's nice to know that there's enough good stuff on the new record to switch those out. I mean, this is like a long way off, especially with your guys' schedules, but there was seven years between these two albums is the hope. I assume the hope is to get to number three a lot quicker than seven years from now. <laughs> I've already suggested to the band that we, uh, I've been trying to come up with some more stuff and writing some stuff. And there are two things that I sent everybody that they really liked. And I, I've talked to Tracy from Metal Blade and said, there was some talk earlier on about doing some B-sides of covers for this album. And then uh, we made a list of covers and it sounded promising. And then I, some at some point, Tracy said, or if Jim comes up with some other stuff, you can have some originals. So I'm hoping by the end of the year, we'll have a couple more songs, either as B-sides or just standalone singles. And I'm for sure going to start collecting uh, new things for something quicker. And... You know, it just so happened that right now, because of COVID, everybody was waiting and waiting to get back and get on the road. So, of course, the cult with Johnny and Anthrax, they're doing shows that they should have done a year and a half ago. You know what I mean? Uh, so once that kind of gets a little bit more to the new normal, then uh, hopefully we'll have more time to, to work on the band. And if I just do it, you know, and, and send stuff and come up with some killer stuff, then they won't be able to deny it. And the label loves it too. Like Tracy and, and Brian Slagle, they've just been, I mean, we have to be the least metal band on metal blade, but they understand what we do, you know, maybe next time around we'll do a full on metal tune. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, kind of looking throughout this year, besides what you're, you know, about to do with Daniel Anwell, like what else, can we expect from Jim Wilson? You got more solo music on the horizon or lots of solo music are playing with uh, Phil Jones is a, a song a month. We're basically getting around to uh, a song every couple months, but uh, we have a, a, a big catalog of stuff that me and Phil have recorded together. And uh, he's just mixing them one by one. He just turned into the second two. There've been two singles so far and he just turned in the second two to get mastered and uh, there's still there's probably like 18 more to choose from. And then at the end of this year or the beginning of next year, we're going to put together a 12 song solo LP of, you know, the, the ones that have been released digitally because uh, the vinyl pressing plants right now are, you know, 10 months behind schedule, too, because of all this stuff. So it'll give us time to all the ones that are released as digital singles will come together on the, the next jim and phil jones record okay well kind of a non-jim wilson question for you for a second i saw that you went to the Def leopard show at the whiskey like what was that experience like seeing them in a club like that it was amazing it was so good and i was last minute like you know i've gotten to know joe and i had emailed him and said oh my god the whiskey i said i know that it's la and you can't put everybody on the list and he wrote me back and he said 
I've turned down dozens. And he said, it's a serious XM thing. And we have a limited list. I said, yeah, no problem. No problem. He's like, but if anything changes, I'll let you know. So then I have a, a friend at Apple Music and she said the same thing. She's like, if I get a plus one, I'll let you know. And I said, cool. If, if I get him through Joe, I'll let you know. So the day of, it was depressing knowing that Def Leppard's playing right down the street from me. I live five minutes from the whiskey, you know, and uh, uh, I'd heard from my friend from Apple Music and, and she said she got a, a single ticket. And uh, I said, okay, no problem. And she said, if I get to the show and anybody has a plus one, I'll let you know. And I thought, oh, well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> and uh, so I was recording all that day, just a session at Cherokee Studios. And then I got home and had some dinner and I was just like chilling out. And then I looked at my phone and she said, Ricky Warwick from Black Star Riders has a plus one and he didn't use it. Get down here now. They start at 815. And it was 812 when I saw the message. Oh, wow. Called an Uber. I swear I got super lucky and I was there in like five minutes. The Uber came in one minute and he just, he jetted to the whiskey, jumped out, sent her. She said, text me when you get here. I sent her a text and I could hear fooling from the outside. I was like, oh no, they're on, they're on, they're on. <laughs> she came out and she had a backstage pass from Ricky and she said, here you go. And the guy at the door goes, that's not a ticket. That's a backstage pass. You need a ticket. And she said, it's Ricky Warwick has a plus one and he didn't, he didn't use it. So this is from him. And the guy was like looking at me like, and then she goes, he's the singer of Motor Sister. They just played here last week. And the guy goes, <laughs> okay. And I was like, I'm in. It was amazing. <laughs> and what was wild, you know, they have a brand new record and I thought they were going to basically play in the new record, but they played two new songs and all hits. So yeah, there was Def Leppard in a row because nobody could run around and, <laughs> you know, the stage is so small. So it was a trip to be like so close to Rick Savage, like just standing there being a rock star and they sounded amazing. And then, and then of course I leave and I get home and I uh, send Joe an email and I said, I actually made it in to the show. You guys were so great. And he wrote me back right away. And he said, Jesus, Jim, why didn't you let me know you were here? I would love to see you. And it's like, well, <laughs> I couldn't get a ticket. So I didn't want to bug you, you know what I mean? but it was nice to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, and I'm actually loving that new album of theirs too. I was surprised at how much I like it compared to the last couple. But... Me too, me too. Yeah. Yeah. And he asked me, I told him I was getting it from Amazon the next day. And he said, when you've digested it, send me a review. So I got to think about that too. Yeah. But yeah, no, that record kind of has a little bit of everything on it, you know, and yeah, and some great rock <laughs> moments too. Actually, I can't wait until I get home and crank it again, listen to it really loud because I got the vinyl too. Yeah. Right on, man. Well, I appreciate you taking some time with me while you're out there enjoying this beautiful weather. And Anytime. Take yeah. a look at this. It's amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you, Trent. Keep in touch. And, uh, I'll talk to you again soon. Rock on. Cheers. There you go, Jim Wilson of Motor Sister. A huge thank you to Jim for taking some time out there. You know, that's one of those things I ask him. I'm like, hey, would you be available this Monday? And he said, sure. You know, he's like, I'm in Sacramento you know, visiting some friends. He spoke about, you know, he went to a wedding and played some music and stuff. And, you know, he could have very easily, like a lot of people said, no, I can do this later on. But he chose to do this while he was on a boat out enjoying himself. So a huge thank you for Jim for taking some time out there while, you know, he was enjoying that beautiful weather, drinks and friends. To give me a talk on Zoom there and talk about 
all this this great new Motor Sister album, Get Off. Fantastic. Can't stress that enough, people. One of the best albums of 2022 thus far, and I promise it will be at the end of the year as well. Who knows what's going to come out? I think Clutch will have a new album. I'm thinking Anthrax is supposed to have something new at some point. There's all kinds of bands that are great that should have some music coming at some point, but I can promise you no matter what, Motor Sister, Get Off, will be there at the end of the year as one of the best albums of the year. Bank on that. If this is your first time listening, I greatly appreciate it. If you're listening because you're a fan of Jim Wilson, go back and check out some previous episodes. I should have looked up the numbers, but Jim has been on here four other times. He was on here two times and full on like we just did, even longer. The first time he was on, I think it was around an hour. The other one might have been around 45 minutes, but those both were when Jason was still here doing the podcast with me. We had great long talks with Jim about Motor Sister, Mother Superior, his solo work, and all kinds of great stuff on both those episodes. And then Jim joined me on a couple tribute episodes. Most recently, late last year, he joined me as the only guest to talk about Charlie Watts after he passed away, because Jim is a massive, massive fan of the Rolling Stones. He joined me to, to celebrate Charlie, and then a year before that, whenever Eddie Van Halen passed away, in the fall of 2020, Jim was one of the guests on that episode, which is still the grandest episode, I believe, that this humble little podcast has ever put together. We had 14 guests, and it spanned about a little over three and a half hours, and Jim was one of those guests talking about Eddie Van Halen. We had on Frank Cannon from Tesla, Paige Hamilton from Helmet, a ton of other great people on that episode that you need to check out. Um, Robin McCauley, of course, from Michael Schenker fame, and now in the band Black Swan, who also released a great album recently, and was also on that. Um, Mitch Perry, the phenomenal guitarist, Phenom, was on there. But check that out if you're a Van Halen fan, which I... If you're not, you know, I'm just going to say it, you're an asshole. But So anyway... Jim Wilson's been on here a lot. Dig through there, check those out. There's also been other great guests throughout the years. You know, all these members of Motor Sister are all members that have should have been on this podcast by now. A huge fan of all their works individually. and But none of them have. In fact, no one from any of their bands have ever been on. Well, no, let me rephrase that. Um, John Tempesta was in White Zombie. Well... Uh, I'm talking myself into a hole because the person from White Zombie that was on this podcast was Ivan DePrune, the drummer that preceded John Tempesta in White Zombie. But also Sean, the bass player from White Zombie, um, did an, uh, excuse me, a written interview with us. She wasn't available for a, an audio interview at the time, and she offered to just answer some questions if we emailed them over. And so we read him aloud on that same interview. And of course, John was in the band with Sean. So there you go. There's a link. Had on a couple members of White Zombie there. Had on um, Kenny Hickey from Typo Negative. Had on Tommy Victor from Prong. Had on two members of COC, one of which Reed Mullen. Rest in peace. Speaking of rest in peace, we also had on Trevor Sternad from the Black Dahlia Murder a couple years ago. Had on all kinds of great rock and roll artist. We've had on four members of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Gene Simmons of Kiss, Dizzy Reed of Guns N' Roses, 
Vivian Campbell of Def Leppard and Dio. And then, of course, well, Dio's not in the Hall of Fame, so fuck you, Hall of Fame. And then, of course, the Almighty, the voice of the gods, Glenn Hughes from Deep Purple, Black Country Communion, and these days, the Dead Daisies. We've also had on guys from, man, Buck Cherry, Tesla, Warrant, Sons of Texas, let's think, Testament, Twisted Sister, Dee Snyder was on here last year, had on, man, had on Matthew Nelson from the Nelson Twins. This this thing spans the gamut, you know, from death metal to the to Nelson. We've also had on Vanilla Ice, so I mean, it might look kind of spastic, but hey, I just love music, so... There you go. Speaking of upcoming music, Frank Hannon from Tesla has been on this podcast three times previously, but guess what? He's on here four now. We just recorded an episode, and that one will be coming very shortly. Very excited. Frank Hannon will be back for a fourth time. We've also had on Brian Wheat of Tesla in the past as well. We've also got one coming up with John Waite. Yeah, you heard that right. John Waite. Of course. Known for being John Waite, he was also, of course, in The Babies in the late 70s and early 80s, and then, of course, the supergroup Bad English at the end of the 80s and early 90s. And throughout the rest of this time, John Waite has a huge, long solo career, and he's got a new EP out, so we talked about that. So that's very cool. There you go. I've got John Waite and Frank Hannon coming up. I've got a couple other interviews scheduled I'll talk about as soon as they happen. But until then, check out all these past episodes, 347 before this one, like I said, including four others that include Jim Wilson. DeepThunderUnderground.com, you can listen there. You can find all our socials there, so follow us on all the socials. Anytime you see a post, if you like, comment, or share, that helps out greatly. You can listen to this podcast pretty much anywhere podcasts are heard, like Spotify and everywhere else. And I greatly appreciate you listening. All right. Once again. A huge thank you to Jim Wilson, Med Farm, DEB Concerts, and Sunset Tattoo. And until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all. Thunder Underground.